about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt bulletproof nothing <laughs> to lose fire away fire away it's beautiful really thank stunning. you yeah, thank you did that help you get to sleep yeah no i i do have questions about that probably more than anything in the film it's just the musical numbers that appeared out of nowhere uh, we are talking about Megan, obviously. I'm doing oh, the dance. Yeah. You can't see it. I just did a backflip. Oh, now I'm going to rip this um, <laughs> paper shredder apart and cleave someone in half. What um, is it called? Mu- mutated. E- oh, Megan? M- um, min- uh, min- model 3 generative model three android. Generative <laughs> android. Megan. Megan. You know. yeah no this has been talked about for a while now i feel like the trailer came out in the fall and immediately was a huge like trending topic on twitter and tiktok it Um, came out before halloween because people were dressed as megan for halloween oh yeah (laughs) i think it started with the poster the poster came out like last summer i want to say and everyone was like what is this yeah i believe that i remember the trailer coming out it's obviously featured it's nice to have a friend by taylor swift so that that brought it on my radar oh and then yeah course- ashley m- texted me and was like hey i want to go see megan i wanted to know if the taylor swift song was in it and i was like um no i i don't <laughs> believe so but the movie's great like she texted you this week yes that's funny no yeah it was just in the trailer just sampled for the trailer for all our swifties listening but that would have been iconic if she'd started to sing it um, songs, in, as not to go down a side tangent already, but <laughs> songs featured in trailers are usually not songs that are in the movies. Right. Unless it's like an original. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, those usually aren't in a well, yeah, that's true. trailer. Yeah. And, lots of t- and lots of times, weirdly, movies will use scores in the trailer that are scores to other movies. Fun fact. Yeah. Thank you. So, anywho. Anyways. Um, yeah. No, Megan... Instantly was almost like it it was like seen as a joke. That's how I read it is most people were like, LOL, this is hilarious. Like, let's go see it. Like, yes, queen, slay. It's our it's our Chucky. Like, let's do it. Bring it on. Um, but then it was like this. I don't know. I guess I went into it thinking, oh, this is a dumpuary film. It's going to be bad. It's going to be like laugh out loud bad, like so bad it's good. But what surprised me was that everyone was just like, no, it's actually just good at being exactly what it is. And it's actually funny with intention. It's not laughable. You're laughing with it. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, the marketing on this movie is some of the most genius marketing I can remember as far as the <laughs> film goes. Because, yeah, it's like the premise of this woman works at a toy factory. She makes like robots, sort of like Furby type things. Be- her sister dies and now she's left caring for her sister's child. She doesn't know what to do. So she creates this doll that's sort of going <laughs> to take care of her like 
her niece. And then the doll becomes hyper-protective of the niece and starts getting violent and becomes sort of a Chucky-esque figure is a premise that is like, it's not a bad premise necessarily, but it's not like super original or super interesting. Um, And it sort of feels like, yeah, like a B-level horror movie premise. And then the fact that it's coming out in January also signals that. Um, And I think they like leaned into that as to rather trying to sell us on the fact that it's a good movie, they tried to sell us on that it was a movie that's so bad and ridiculous that you, like, had to see it. And they it was just so campy. The entire thing was incredibly campy, from the trailer to the actual movie. And they did the smart thing, which I think a lot of movies don't do, and which I think like everything everywhere all at once and Top Gun and Avatar 2 all did the same thing where it's like they somehow kind of trick you or, or they, you the audience goes into those movies with like a low expectation <laughs> and then is like very pleasantly surprised and loves the movie and feels like they have to go tell other people about it. Yeah, because they're worried that other people might not like it where I think this fall we've seen all of these movies that have gone in with super high expectations that are screaming that they're going to be great and then are sort of a little bit meh and then everyone's like yeah no you don't need to see it and it crashes and burns at the box office so Megan is like a genius strategy on that Well, on top of it it's like what we've talked about where trailers and promo is so like focused on you have to see this movie because of xyz this movie is so important because xyz like even bros it's like this is the first of this kind of movie but it doesn't tell us anything about why the movie is funny or what the movie's about whereas megan's promo was just like there's a crazy doll <laughs> you know we're just gonna send a pack of these dolls dancing in every single venue you can imagine and that's gonna be our promo for the film and i think that was like that is what people need to remember to do is like when you tell someone what a movie's about, chances are people will go to see the movie and be happy because it's about what you said it was. You know, it's not like tricking you or guilting you or kind of talking to you about what matters. It's just like, here's a movie trailer. Don't you want to see a crazy doll like dance and murder things? And I think that just paid off in such a fun, different way. And, you know, it was interesting about this movie is that it was originally supposed to be R, but then the reaction was so positive in the Gen Z and, like, youth camp that they decided to, you know, clean it up a bit, package it as a PG-13 movie. And I think that worked out in its favor, not only because, you know, teenagers could get into it easily or whatever, but also because it wasn't it didn't have to compete with the edgy horrors we've gotten with like X or um, Barbarian or whatever. It was just like a return to sort of those 90s popcorn horror hits. And I think it worked really well. And it was just a perfect storm to make it, you know, like <laughs> hit record after record after a few abysmal movie openings. So. Well, it made also, more than Babylon did. <laughs> I mean, it's made more than a lot of movies have. I think it, it's made over 30 million this week, which is a good haul. I also think that moving it to PG, I know multiple people who are not horror people who went and yeah. saw this movie because they were like, oh, it's not going to be that scary and yeah, sort of exactly. a comedy. Something I want to talk about with this movie, and I'm glad you brought up bros, is the like gay element where the movie is not gay, but 
Megan is like a gay icon. I feel like every <laughs> gay person I know went and saw this. Everyone, like, we have somehow claimed her for our own. Um, okay. In a way that bros obviously did not happen. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, this, like, weird phenomena of LGBT people just, like, obsessed with Megan. I think it has to do with the dancing and the sort of yassification of her outfits <laughs> and the weird Sia song and, and all of that. But I was thinking, I, I saw this TikTok the other day. Maybe this was, like, a week or so ago. And I have been, like, fascinated by this idea ever since. And it was saying, like, there are things that are, like, gay for gays, straight for straights, gay for straights, and straight for gays. So it's like, I think this movie was like made for straights. I mean, it's like a straight people movie, but like the gays have taken (laughs) it. And I think bros was like made for gays, but the gays don't want that. It's like the, it's like the, the bros is like a gay movie that only the straight people actually want to go see in a weird sort of way. If even that. (laughs) Yes, if even that for bros. But they recently, I was thinking about this phenomenon again this week because RuPaul's Drag Race just started. And I actually went and saw the two-hour season premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race and then went and saw Megan immediately afterwards (laughs) in the gayest evening ever. And like everybody who I was watching RuPaul with were like, oh yeah, that's a super gay day. Even though again, (laughs) Megan is not gay at all. But it just, we've... You attached elected to her, yeah. But RuPaul's Drag Race has always well, it's it's switched networks a couple of times, but the last few seasons it's been on VH1, and it's always directly followed by Untucked, which is sort of like a behind the scenes mm. of the episode. Um, and so it's been running in a two hour block where the first hour and a half is Drag Race, and then the last half hour is Untucked. It's now moved to MTV and it's being split up where there's an hour of Drag Race, then there's an hour of this new show, and then there's the half hour of Untucked. And the new show in between is like Real Housewives, but it's all gay people living in LA, including <laughs> Todrick Hall. And I do not know a single gay person who wants to watch it. Everybody mm. who saw the ads was like, this looks terrible. They played them every commercial break at the bar I was watching Drag Race at. And everyone was like, ugh, like groaning. The drag queens were making fun of it. Like nobody wants to watch it. <laughs> and they packaged it right in between the two things. But I know multiple straight girls who have messaged me and been like, oh, this show looks so fun. And I'm like, <laughs> huh, this is a gay for straights. Um, <laughs> whereas like Fire Island, I feel like was actually a gay for gays. Um yeah. And then, you know, something like Gladiator or whatever is a straight for straights. Um, but <laughs> well, I don't know. You do don't you think, think... Gladiators? <laughs> I mean, maybe Gladiator is gayer than I... I guess I haven't watched in a while. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but no, that that makes sense. I That metric checks out. Um, I still don't fully understand, like, how the unspoken choosing of a gay icon happens when it's someone like Megan, which is a child doll. But I'm happy for for your community. Well, <laughs> finding the allies where you need them. People love horror movies. That's a that's a random thing. And they we also love a 
random, like, sort of well-dressed figure or, like, somehow stylish. And Megan is, like, not stylish, but she has a very particular <laughs> look to her. And I think it's the wig. And then, honestly, it's that dance clip. Yeah, the clip of her was, dancing in the yeah. hallway for no reason. No and in reason. the movie, I kept thinking, oh, well, maybe there'll be more reason for why she's dancing. Nope, there isn't. Mm-hmm. She just decides to do it. Um well, there's a split second where they're learning a TikTok dance together. And I think that is the dance. Okay. But even still, but yeah, it was a why stretch. does she do it when she's about to kill the yeah. guy <laughs> with kill the paper cutter? I don't know. <laughs> he was happy to, you know. Uh, anyways, before we get into that. Um, yeah, no, it was a pleasant surprise. And uh, it was like, the demographic gay at your theater. Oh, I went in the middle of like a matinee. So... It was not remarkable to me at all. Okay. I think it was just a few, you know, there was like a Gen Z crowd of kids, um, but I could not speak to their sexuality as they did not disclose that to me. And I don't feel like it's right for me to label those around Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because Uh, (laughs) I I have friends who never go to the movie, like who I have not heard of going to the movies once who went and saw Megan this weekend, (laughs) opening weekend. They were in yeah. the theater seeing Megan. They haven't seen anything all year, and they're watching Megan. Yeah, no, I'm it like, like earned back its entire budget in a single weekend. It's like one of the top horror debuts, and was the biggest debut ever in January history. Which I'm is so excited is, for the second. Yeah, one. it was a low bar, but yeah, it's there. And and I think it is like nice when a movie like this works because they're always the underdog, right? Like, you know, you make a horror film, you're gambling a lot. There's a lot of them that come out. A lot of them make no impact. Like who watched The Nun? I don't know, but there's a second one coming. The Evil Dead Rises, like whatever. We're on the upteenth scream, the seventh saw. Like everything's kind of like either you have those highbrow horrors like the Baba Duke, and you're like, oh, this is so thoughtful. Oh, wow. Or you have these franchise moments, these reboots, these redos. And so any new one, it's kind of like there's a lot to compete with, and it's a lot of noise, and it's really easy to get lost in it. And so it's fun when this kind of all comes together and works. And and what's more enjoyable for a casual horror fan like me is that it was actually a well made movie like I didn't feel like like I said it wasn't like I was laughing at it it felt like they wrote some sharp jokes there was some really funny character moments and while there were like a lot of jump scares or whatnot and maybe the kills weren't that you know quote-unquote creative it was still like enough of a I don't know like hair tingling rays that you're like ooh, you know spooky and (laughs) it was like a good time I was having a pleasant time in that theater Which never happens for a January movie. Like, honestly, I was thinking about it. I'm like, we have covered a lot of trashy movies in the early months of these past years. We've done this podcast. And it was nice to walk out of it and think, I enjoyed that for the right reasons that the director intended me for for me to enjoy. Yeah, that it wasn't like a um, uh, Moonstruck or whatever that was we watched last year that's just like so bad. It's like maybe good, but Oh, Moonfall, yeah. Yes. Um. (laughs) I was nervous going into this, though, because I the screenwriter for this is Akilah Cooper, who 
made a movie called Hellfest a couple of years ago, or she was a screenwriter for it, which I don't think anybody else saw. It was like a <laughs> Halloween, um, like amusement park horror movie, you know, like oh, okay, how yeah. like Six Flags or whatever does their like haunted days. Um, so it was a horror movie set in that. And I went and saw it on Halloween because I, I think th- I'm fairly certain actually, now that we say this, maybe this was in the movie pass era. Um, and I hated it. It was such a stupid, boring, bad <laughs> horror movie. And so I was excited for Megan. But then when I saw that she was the writer, I was like, but I thought the writing for this wasn't terrible. Like, yeah, it was a weird horror movie, but like it was it was like just bad enough, but just good enough at the same time and was sort of like knew what it was. Yeah, it was funny and like aware of the fact that it wasn't good but also like good enough at the same time yeah Um, it committed yeah yes it committed to the bit and i think it worked because like yeah it wasn't like scream or scary movie where it's like campiness is the point like it was trying to be a movie that wasn't making fun of itself but also indulging in the genre's like most campy elements. So I think that helped too, because so often when people seem to be churning out these movies left and right, it does seem like there's an over-reliance on making inside jokes, trusting your audience will just laugh at those because they caught on. Whereas this was like the jokes were basically around the characters. Like it was, it wasn't about being in a scary movie or like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it wasn't like bodies, bodies, bodies or the latest screens where it's just self-referential to its own genre. It was just like, what was funny were the characters and the bits around those characters that had nothing to do with the fact that they were operating in a scary movie genre. And I liked that. And it was refreshing to me. What was mostly funny was the doll. I mean, (laughs) I guess like some of the other characters were mildly entertaining, but the main thing was that the doll was so was so creepy but like in a funny way and then it would sort of like get yeah like the things that it would say would be so ridiculous that they would be funny or there's a scene where the where she gets like you know sort of like rattled up by the neighbor's dog and then pops up over the fence and her hair is like completely (laughs) disheveled that everybody was laughing at where she just like looked sort of stupid um there's a shot where she's sitting where they the girl goes to like a play date and she's (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, well, the doll has to to wait on the like bench with the stuffed animals. And you just cut to this shot of her like looking very forlorn in this like mountain of stuffed animals. And that got some good laughs. Um, obviously, like the dancing and stuff when she sang Bulletproof. That was funny. Like it wasn't like a but um bump like joke, joke, joke kind of movie. Yeah. But it was m- more just like the doll was so like so um like so weird that it was <laughs> entertaining yeah i mean it felt like a realistic doll like it is a doll it, and it felt like funny ai things but in a real way cuz okay i feel like we've seen i mean yes it's a doll but it's not really like this isn't like a chucky or a toy yeah, story yeah, yeah. movie it's much more of like an ai robot an kind of killer it's yes a it's an android multi-generational three again and yeah sure whatever um <laughs> and i feel like we've seen lots of those movies now where yeah. 
the robots are either really vicious, but sort of like halfway smart or they're very kind of like dumb, but they're kind of stoic. They're, they don't have a lot of personality to them usually. Yeah. And they aren't presented as like sort of fallible. A lot of times they're kind of like these high minded things that aren't that you can't really laugh at and megan was much more like a an actual ai like a siri or something that you know like (laughs) sometimes gets it right but a lot of times is like just not quite there (laughs) and um and so there were lots of funny moments because it felt so realistic and that she just yeah like wasn't quite like hitting a way that like she thinks she's a human but obviously she's like not a human and i think that part was funny yeah honestly the weakest link for me was um allison uh oh allison williams yeah really i thought she was good i was like she's giving me nothing she's She's just there. I could replace her with anyone else and I'd like enjoy this more. But I don't know. It could have just been my biases. I don't know. I just was like, is she talented? I don't know. I don't. (laughs) I mean, I think she got a very unenviable role because she's sort of a straight man in the whole thing. Yeah. But even that, like her two-tone, like it was like, it was fine. But what was more interesting were the people around her and then obviously Megan the titular character. Um, But I thought Alison Williams was funny, especially I liked the sequences early on where you can tell that she's like a self-absorbed 20 something, 30 something that now has to raise this kid and sort of is way in over her head. And like when she's talking about the collectibles or, (laughs) you know, like, figuring out the coasters and that kind of stuff. And then there's that scene where the like child services woman comes and is watching her, the two of them interact (laughs) together. And clearly she doesn't know what to do with the kid. And I thought that all of those scenes, Alison Williams was like pretty entertaining. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, could someone else have done a better, like if you had Emily Blunt, would she have been better? Probably. But I feel like for the caliber of actress that we could have gotten in Megan, she was good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, should we talk about sort of the kills and thrills of it all? The plot of Megan? Yeah. Because basically, like you said, there's an orphan. They need a friend. So she develops a doll so that the doll can basically parent for her while she makes millions at her high tech job. And there's like a lot of like B plot happening that doesn't matter at all. But it was kind of like, why is this here? (laughs) Well, it reminded me of a lot of like... In most horror franchises, the first movie has a lot of sort of setup to do of the plot. So there's less kills, it's less gory, and it's less kind of like exciting and there is more like plot to it. Where if we see, if when Megan 2 comes out, there'll definitely be more Megans, they'll be killing more people, they'll be doing more dances, they'll be killing people in more gruesome ways. (laughs) And it'll be more like entertaining in that regard where the first ones usually have a little bit more plot to them um because yeah there wasn't a ton of kills there's a lot of intrigue at her work at allison williams's workplace and sort of like are they gonna launch megan are they gonna sell her to the public will the board like her um like will they finance it how will the launch party go a lot of that kind of 
Yeah, there's like a random like C plot about a guy stealing, um, like the the oh yeah materials for her like that I thought was going to come up secrets or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and and then like yeah, her relationship with her boss, who's like, give me this now, 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 and then he she goes behind her back, develops this doll, and then he's like, yes, dollar signs, money, and I didn't understand Megan's issue with him, the the CEO or whatever. It it that. That kills surprised me because I was like, wait, what did he do? Like, why? <laughs> well, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because basically, um, yeah, like you said. There's Megan really becomes... only three set pieces for the kills. Yeah. Which yeah, is no, not that very... many for a horror movie. Yeah, because the main issue is Megan is, you know, the parental and friend figure for the daughter whose name I literally can't remember. Oh, she was Willa. Katie. Katie. <laughs> and she was so annoying. The most <laughs> annoying person I have ever witnessed. Like, I was like, could Megan kill her, please? <laughs> she was in, oh, she was in, she was in Ready Player One. Okay. I was like, I've seen her in something. She's just, you know, she's a homeschool kid who is <laughs> too attached to her iPod, iPad and now has a killer doll to look after her, okay? She's going through it. I honestly thought, you know, this is probably what a child going through, uh, you know, being orphaned at this age would probably feel like. But yeah, she wasn't, you know, kids are annoying in movies. But Megan, <laughs> the weird B-plot is this dog next door. And and the neighbor who's like, oh, there's a hole in the fence. You fix it. It's not my deal. And yeah, that that was the first. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> sort of explain it. Well, that's yeah. So like Megan is obviously programmed to take care of the girl. So any harm that might come to Katie, <laughs> Megan has got to reckon with. But also, at some point earlier on the. Um, Katie's lost something and there's a hole in the fence. And so Megan goes through the fence to get the, whatever the thing is <laughs> and gets like roughed up by the neighbor's dog. And then sort of like has like it aggressive. out for the, yes, for the neighbor's dog. And well, cause uh, it bit Katie. Oh yes. And then also because it bites Katie. Um, but yeah, she stands up and she like looks at the dog and it's like, Oh shit, this is a movie where the dog dies. Like it, it, it rarely happens, but when it does, you know, it but we, means we, business. We never figure out what happens to the dog, do we? Well, she says, oh, he's about 45 miles down the road and yes. six feet under. Right. But we don't know how the dog dies. Maybe no, that's it does the not scene that show got cut the dog in the switch murdered. from R to PG-13. Yeah. she. It's very clearly implied she lures him out and then either grabs him or there's a jump scare where you see her and so then the dog disappears and... And you know that's as, her first death. And, and I was like, I'm on board with Megan. Like this is <laughs> up till that point, I saw nothing wrong with the doll. I was like, great, okay, perfect. You're like, oh, neighbor's she's dog biting people. Hundred percent. <laughs> Let's get rid of the dogs, baby. <laughs> yeah, and I think it also works. Like I've never seen Chucky or Annabelle or any of those doll movies, but I feel like what's interesting about this is that you're watching Megan learn as a character rather than her being like born you know made evil or like immediately snap like there's a logic to her to her well, <laughs> demise with this that's different than Ch so in chucky at least the original i'm pretty sure it's like the soul of a serial killer right. somehow gets put into a doll so oh, it's okay. like 
so it's like a the brain is a functioning human being it's just in the body of a doll so it's like smarter where this i think is more fun because she's sort of dumb yeah you're watching her like process and learn and a lot of the perspective is just like her eyes kind of like focusing in and out as the adults have conversations around her and she's like piping up during work meetings where people think she's off and stuff and I think that was like a fun element to watch her to watch her character grow in, and kind of see her descent into madness and kind of understand not only the you know emotional side of oh does AI like think for freely versus the programming where you're like maybe you should have put a stronger parameter around this guideline Allison because um, then yeah the next the me- next big moment is Allison starting to think she's getting too attached to the doll and wants to send her to school to make f- human friends and well, wait doesn't she does she kill the no, I oh, think yeah, that's no, the she... first one. Yeah, this yes, is the no, first that one. is true. That's true. That's and true. so it's the they dog go to first, like a and then the yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> dog dead. <laughs> Cut to she's in the forest at this like school program testing, you know, like a school day, um, and she's meant to just sit there because Allison has no control over this orphan, which you know that's a real characteristic. So the orphan wins. And then gets paired with the most psychotic child I've ever seen on film, which honestly was a pretty funny intro. And that's one of the characters where I laughed out loud, where the mom was like, oh, like my son's here too. And then it cuts to this like dick of a kid yelling like, fuck you, mom. F you or whatever. (laughs) And she's like, he has such a sweet spirit. (laughs) Yes. And it's just like. That scene was honestly freaky to me, one, because he's just, like, mean. But then he gets kind of, like, weirdly rapey with the doll. I don't know if you got that vibe. Oh, no, I definitely got that vibe. It was like, what is happening? Like, it's a little too far for me. I think he should have just been, like, I don't know, swinging her by her hair or something. But instead, he's, like, undressing her and slamming her to the ground. But then um, she murders him, so I guess... Yeah, well, or like run, sort of like push, like gets him to a part where he falls down a hill and yeah. gets run over by a car. Um, plausible deniability. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, and pulls one. his ear off at like a. Oh insane yeah, plastic. that was a that was a sort of a Willy Wonka esque. Yeah, I know. Moment. I was like, does that is that really how it would happen? I, I know. I was touching so my ear and was sort of like, how? I was like, <laughs> I don't think my ear stretches that far. Um. I will say, I, I mean, this is only a PG-13 rated yeah. movie. I like when a horror movie has the balls to kill somebody who is, like, either a good person or else just, like, a normal person. Right. And like this horror movie time. definitely had the thing where it's like, okay, we're only, like, we are going to tell the audiences why it's not that bad that this person <laughs> dies before they get murdered. You know, it's like the yeah. dog is biting kids. The bully is like ma- maybe raping dolls and <laughs> F and screaming F you at his mother. And then the next kill is like the neighbor lady who, you know, wasn't keeping track of her dog. And yeah, but she, also not a reason to die. <laughs> no, but she she got really like really fertilized creative. sprayed yeah. to death. Or I was sort of confused as to how exactly she uh Yeah, no, that got was that she was gets attacked in a shed by Megan. There's yeah. like a nail gun involved. Um <laughs> but the weapon of death is like a power sprayer. Yeah. Yeah, just straight, you know, point blank power hose to the face. 
I was surprised by that too. She also had some sort of funny line about like why she was murdering her or something. Um, but I don't recall it now. But yeah, just like a creepy doll who's like you're kind of it's lot it's not as clean as maybe like a super hyper intelligent doll you'd expect would be. Like it's she's kind of clunky in her creative uh attacks, like grabbing an ear and ripping it off because because he wasn't listening because he because Katie told him no or whatever and he didn't hear her. So then he, she's like, I'm going to rip your ears off, you stupid kid. <laughs> and then <laughs> then the then the woman is always watering her sidewalk onto their land or something. And so she's like, well, I guess this is how it goes. It's kind of the Amelia Bedelia of murderous dolls. Yes. I think. It's just like she's winging <laughs> yeah. it. Well, Because then we get to the final sort of set piece. Well, Allison realizes that she's bad. Allison's like, wait, I think this doll might oh, be yes. a murderer. And, and turns so her off she and bubble wraps, wraps her. Wraps her in bubble wrap, tapes her up, and takes her to the factory to, to turn off and turn on again. Um, and then things go right from there. Right. But it's the but it's the big night and they gotta <laughs> they gotta unveil her, so you know, they can't lo- keep her locked up for very long. They put her sort of like in this holster. Um on the wall and they're going to try to fix her, but they don't put the like hand restraints on all the way. And then of course, Megan has been patched into another, (laughs) you know, uh, like AI technology, technology thing. And so she like escapes and then, you know, tries to kill Allison Williams to assistance, but neither of them die because they're nice people. But then she goes (laughs) after Allison Williams manager, who is, not a nice person, but a greedy person. And that's when she's coming down the hallway and does the dance and then grabs the paper cleaver <laughs> and attacks him in an elevator. But why? But why him? Like, that's where I was confused. I mean, I guess he's a part of the organization that's going to, like, shut her down right. or reconfigure her. And so she doesn't like that. But, I mean, he doesn't really do anything to directly hurt the girl. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's sort of just self-preservation at that point because she's, um, but then she kind of has the wherewithal to frame it on his sad assistant who also stole trade secrets. So it's like, it was kind of a weird twist for Megan in my mind. I was like, where is this character coming from? She's learning as (laughs) you go along. She's like, you know what? I'll let these guys clean up my own mess. Which we I needed guess... more kills. Honestly, the movie should have had at least a couple more. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of mad that it didn't. Well, I thought it was going to go like Carrie-esque at this like reveal party or something. Um, but I think it makes sense because even, even with these movies that are always a gamble, you always are hoping for a franchise. And so I think they were setting it up to not have her be a known killer yet. So she frames the only people who live to tell the tale are the two assistants and i'm sure that'll come up to play somehow later but otherwise she had in her mind cleaned up shop so no one could blame her because it was this sad assistant who went on a killing rampage and oh there was an accident in the in the (laughs) science room but then right. yeah her like final speech is somehow she gets across town and i would have loved a short film about that Oh, she stole the car. She stole the car. She stole the car. Yeah, (laughs) she stole the car. Like the Maserati or whatever from from the guy that she killed. Maybe that's why she had to kill him. Oh yeah, she needed the keys. Um, 
And then she gives a speech to Allison that's like, we can co-parent through this, which honestly was a funny twist. Like it wasn't like, she's my friend. I need to protect her. It's you guys are all freaking morons. Like you're lucky I'm around. So just let me stay around. Like you think you can do this on your own, you stupid idiot. And I mean, to be fair, she's not wrong. Megan was not wrong about anything in the movie. (laughs) She was on board. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then and then the most campy thing is that to take to take her down, they use this like robot Allison's first robot like that was that, that was, was annoying. a little cheesy that, that was, was a little, little twee when the moment that he showed up at the beginning of the movie yeah. I was like oh they're gonna use him to kill Megan I'm like we yeah. I've, I've seen this a million times in a movie yeah. um yeah. but Megan didn't go down without a fight she got ripped in half she got stabbed in the face her face got torn apart like it was a pretty it was a intense true Terminator ending for yeah <laughs> battle to the death <laughs> and then we're just and then you know we get to the end of the movie we think oh megan's done and then we realize that her consciousness is still in weebo or whatever the <laughs> the like home ai is because that's the final shot and you're like oh megan's still around so yeah. for sure in the second one she's gonna somehow the toy factory is gonna have a safer version of megan and the old version of Megan is going to reprogram herself into the new versions and start yeah. killing more people. And I'm excited about it. And I yeah. hope we get several of them. I would love the army of <laughs> Megans in the new movie. Well, what was interesting to me, and which I think could have been sussed out a little tighter, you know, if we're nitpicking here, um, these musical numbers. She randomly sings like three songs in the movie. And one of them is in the finale where she's literally being ripped in half and she's looking at Katie and she just starts singing. Um, what is it? Which one does she sing at that point? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember, but it's a song. And then I feel like what it should have been is that if I was a doll facing death from the person who I thought needed me most, I would have played like her dead mother's voice or like told a story, you know, cause they had that whole scene where, she helps her this child get over the trauma by saying like i'll remember your memories for you type thing and it felt like that would be more topical to bring back but instead she just sings this song even though the singing was never addressed earlier in the film right like she just randomly would sing these songs did i miss something like was that I mean, something they I think she was singing because no because like well she sings titanium as like a lullaby yeah but that was never explained, right? She just happened to decide to sing that one time. <laughs> yes, I think so. It just seems like there could have been a montage moment where they're singing together or something. Like something to establish that singing is is one of Megan and Katie's joys. Um, because the the three musical moments were kind of like, they were funny. But I was like, why? You know, I don't know, but I'm <laughs> glad that they're there. It's like, why was there dancing? Again, we don't know. But it was the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was. It's kind of like a weird movie to talk about because when I came home, Rob was like, oh, should I go see it? And I'm like, I guess. I don't know. Like, yes, but also like. It's not 100 percent you should go see it. I mean, it has like a ridiculous like it's like 92, 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like higher ranked than the Godfather type thing, which obviously Rotten Tomatoes is more about like how many, you know, was this review positive or not? Yes. Does that mean it's better than the Godfather? No. But I think it's interesting because it's like, is this a good movie? 
Is this a great movie? It, no. Is it a good it has, movie? Yeah. I think it has. I think movie reviews have everything to do with expectations. And <laughs> you go and I think people went into this yeah. thinking that it was going to either be A bad or yeah. B so bad it was good. Yeah. And it ended up being like sort of so bad that it was good, but in a way that actually made you think that it was yeah, no, good it was from the beginning. Good. You know, like it was just good, but in like a sort of funny way. Yeah. Um and I think people were thrilled by that. And I kind of, like, can't, like, it would be hard to say I think that this is a bad movie because it's like, yeah. why? You know, like, what criticism could you have of this? It's not trying for anything that's particularly yeah. groundbreaking. It's just doing this very simple thing in a fun way and sort of any criticisms that you have for the movie, I feel like the movie sort of has for itself first yeah. and undercuts you. Like if you're like, well, it's not serious enough. It's like, well, it's not supposed to be serious. Yeah, this is like... stupid. <laughs> um, you know, if you're like, well, it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, we know it doesn't make sense. The doll just sings randomly. Like that's a, <laughs> like, that's a point. Um, it reminded me of like invisible man and kind of how that took everyone by surprise. And people were like, wow, this is good. Like it's yeah, the low expectations, I, but also like I feel like the movie that it reminded me most of was like Happy Death Day. Oh yeah. Well I didn't watch that, but yeah, I can which see was, that. Which was another one of these like PG thirteen like comedy horror movies that's sort of like a dumb premise, but like done in a fun way that didn't take itself too seriously, and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it just felt like a return to it just felt like a refreshing, you know, almost nostalgic moment in theaters where you're like, oh, this is like an original idea without having to be like so try hard about it, right? Like it's not it's not an original idea, but it's an original character, <laughs> let's say. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's always a refreshing bit in this sea of sequels and reboots and whatnot. And um I think overall it was just like pleasant. And and it works on a level for horror lovers who are like waiting for that new franchise and people who are more casual horror, afraid of horror like me, where it's just enough that you can get that like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just watched someone's face get hosed off or implied. But you still have a good time. You get a couple jump scares, but you're still having a good time. I mean, I think, I hope that the takeaway from I mean, I know this movie is a technically a 2023 movie, but I hope that the takeaway like coming out of 2022 sort of into this new era is that people are hungry for a like new original ideas, but not necessarily like that are these like serious adult dramas. Like yeah. I I mean, technically Top Gun was a sequel, but I don't think that really counts. <laughs> Because it was so long, and I think ninety percent of the people who went and saw like, the new seen the original. But like, if you think like Ticket to Paradise did really well, Barbarian did really well, Marcel the Shell, Everything Everywhere All at Once, this movie, like Smile, even like these are all movies that are sort of like original concept, but in genres that people like, and they felt so refreshing after 2021 which we've talked about of as being just this year of a million either like franchise movies or big but they were because it was all of the holdovers mm -hmm. from COVID, just like all of these massive like studio ip franchise things that were so 
like picked over by a million people and weren't really doing anything new. And I feel, I mean, even like Nope this summer, I think did pretty well. Like I think people want movies that are fresh and interesting and they don't appear to necessarily want those just in the like adult film genre that all of these fall like awards contenders have crashed and burned. Like they want fun movies like in the nineties. Like I want a like, court like a like a court movie i want you know yeah rom-coms i want that kind of thing that we don't get very much anymore like give me father the bride kind of energy yeah because especially because like movies are getting longer father the bride reboot give me (laughs) a new movie that's like that style yeah and this came in at a tight 90 minutes i mean it's like we love a short movie yeah it's Movies don't have to be like three hour drudges through, you know, whatever genre or issue or statement you're trying to make. It's just it's just a chance to have fun with a medium that people have had in many a decade to figure out what they like and what's, you know, been out there and what's good. So it's less even about like blowing our minds and just kind of being good enough to entertain us. You know, it's like, do I need a Meg too? Probably not. I'm getting one though. But it's getting, getting we're getting one. It. But I'd rather have weird things like this that actually stick the landing. Well, do we think that the good juju of 2023 will continue over into Plane, which is the next big <laughs> yes. movie on the docket? Do we think that will I also be hope great? So. You know, Gerard Butler, he's an interesting character. I feel like his movies like work 20% of the time. Um, he had a really good one last year with Greenland, so or with in twenty twenty one. So he's maybe overdue for a bad one. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this ridiculously named film will work. <laughs> oh my gosh, you and this genre, this genre that I hate and would never claim, but, but I, I have to. It's like oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Well, we have that, and then you know, it's like we have our. Uh, 2023 preview coming up we have the oscar nominations coming out at the end of the year we of course have our famed um ranking of the movies that we saw this year there's a lot there's a lot of stuff coming up and then basically we have the entire month of march off because i will be gone Ah. but um and then you know that's probably when the podcast ends because shelby's getting ready to move and we (laughs) well that's in july whatever (laughs) stop early um but yes, uh, anything else, Shelby, on Megan before we close the books on our favorite Android friend? Just everyone remember to use your coasters. <sighs> Are you going to start spelling your name with a three instead yeah. of a e in all yeah. work emails? <laughs> I think it would work. I think everyone I know would know exactly what I'm referencing. You're sort of Android-like, I feel like. I could see a version of you as oh, an Android. Wow. I don't know what that means, but thank you. Um, okay. We will see you guys next week for some configuration of episodes recorded <laughs> while I am also in Texas. Uh, Yay! Um, so, Shelby, see you soon. Everybody else, see you whenever. <laughs> Bye.